It's Wednesday, November 18th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today for Million Dollar Portfolio, Jason Moser. Happy Wednesday. Yes, sir. It's the hump day. It is the hump day. It is one month until the release of the new Star Wars movie. Wow, is that it? It's, it's <laughs> yes. one month. Just because on Twitter, people were. It was, I'm really excited. I mean, I think it's going to be a good flick. It's it just that if the trailers are any indicator, yep. boy, oh boy. It'll make all the money. Boy, howdy, it will. All of the money. We've got some earnings to dig into. We're going to talk Jack in the Box. We're going to talk Dick's Sporting Goods. Let's start with Lowe's. Yesterday, we had Home Depot. Today, we've got Lowe's. Third quarter profits came in higher than expected. Same store sales up about 4.5%. They're doing well. Yeah, I mean, they're this really is, doing well. This has been such a great space for investors, and and honestly, I don't see any reason for it to change anytime soon. We've talked a lot this earnings season about the challenges of a lot of retailers out there, but you know, if, if you put equal parts into Home Depot and and Lowe's five years ago, and you're you're looking back at that today, you have you're really feeling good about that decision. I mean, those stocks have really outperformed. And and I mean, I think that's for very good reason. I mean, home, you know, those home improvement centers. I mean, they they are going to be more. It's going to be more difficult to displace them via e-commerce. They are a bit protected from Amazon in that in that degree. And and you know, Home Depot we've always touted as being a little bit bigger, uh, a little bit more profitable. They were able to kind of utilize that scale to to help realize a bit more on on the margin lines. But really, Lowe's. Is not that far behind. I mean, maybe, maybe you know, there may be four hundred stores separate them, and and oftentimes you'll see there's like a Lowe's and then across the street a Home Depot. So you you do have a situation there where you could go to either one. Um, then it all boils down to, I think most of the time service. They they both really have the same stuff. Then it's just a matter of kind of preference. Uh, is it easier to get to one versus the other? I mean, right. uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily consider myself a loyalist one way or another. I mean, I just want to go get what I need to get. Um, you know, the interesting thing about these businesses, too, is, you know, we see with these retailers all the time, and we'll talk a little bit more about this uh, in, in regard to weather. And the neat thing about Home Depot and Lowe's is that Weather works for them in any case. You know, if it's nice outside, well, people are getting stuff to do. You know, more stuff outside. And if it's bad weather, well, they're going to get shovels and salt to get the ice off their sidewalks yeah. and stuff like that. So they actually benefit from whatever the weather is, which is really nice as well. Um, and I think you know, management has done a very good job in the face of a very big market. This is not a growth company per se, um, but management has done a very good job since 2011 buying back shares. They brought that share count down 30 percent. Um, and so, you know, shareholders have certainly benefited from that. Now, it's worth noting too that you know when they bring that share count down, that helps them boost that earnings per share number. Whereas you won't see necessarily the same type of growth on the net income line, and and that's just worth noting because typically, you know, when we look at businesses like this, and you're looking at it on a price to earnings multiple, you know, you're looking at the earnings per share number, not just like a general net income number, and and so. You know they they can boost that earnings per share number and make it look a little bit more robust via share repurchases, which which can certainly play out uh, you know on the stock price as well at least in the short run. Not that it's a bad thing or unique or anything like that. It's just something to keep in mind uh, as as we move forward because as we talk about with all of our newsletter services and all of our all of our stock ideas is really it's assessing what this company is going to do from today. You know, is this a market beating idea from today? Uh, and when I look at Lowe's, honestly, given the market dynamics, I still think it is. Two questions about 
Lowe's first. Did they have the same outreach to contractors that Home Depot has? Maybe not on the same level, but it seems like for years that was the thing that a lot of people missed about Home Depot. Because it is a consumer-facing yeah. business, as is Lowe's, you walk in, you have your own customer experience, and it's easy to miss the fact that in Home Depot's case, they're working with contractors. That's a that's a uh, really sort of a I don't want to say a secret that they have, but it it's uh, it's easy to miss that. And I'm wondering if Lowe's has the same type of relationship with contractors. I mean, I know they have that same dynamic to their business. I don't know that it is necessarily as robust as something like Home Depot. I think that Home Depot, the one thing they did benefit or they've been able to benefit over over years is is sort of establishing those relationships and being able to sort of nurture those relationships and be be seen as the the place to go, uh, you know, for for you know, other than consumers, I mean, for for people who are doing this kind of stuff for living contractors and whatnot. Um, but but regardless, I mean, you're going to be able to find that that dynamic in either business. <laughs> The other thing about Lowe's and Home Depot, I suppose, is uh, one of the reasons I think you're right about where why this can be a market beater from here on out is the number of people who are retiring every month. Yeah. And the more people retiring, people living longer, they got to do something, and they can't all <laughs> play golf. Because they don't all play golf, no, and that, and, and I've seen analysts, yeah. you know, on CNBC and elsewhere talking about. Oh, and by the way, this is one of the reasons I like this business. This is one of the reasons I like Home Depot as well. Is their customer pool is getting bigger every year? It really is, and I mean, I, I think you can even take it one step further, just beyond. Uh, just beyond sort of this boom we're going to see in the retiring generation here over the coming years. I mean, it doesn't matter whether you're a homeowner or a renter. I mean, at this point in the game, I mean, this is just something that needs to be done. And so, you know, I'll look at this for example with with my we have a house in Georgia that we we rent, and and it's still like I'll go down there on a, on a yearly basis to check in and make sure everything is okay. And I'm going to go spend you know a thousand, a couple thousand dollars over at one of these places to just. Update some stuff, paint, repair, whatever it takes, and so regardless, I mean, the, the homes out there are owned by someone, and, and and you know they need to be kept up, and and so I think that's something that really is never going to change, and and you you just you have basically a duopoly at this point with Home Depot and Lowe's, and I just don't see anybody really displacing that. Fourth quarter profits for Jack in the Box came in lower than expected, but. Strong guidance for 2016. They are really optimistic about the next 12 months, and that is what is pushing the stock up a couple of percentage points today. Right. Well, we always say it's it's not about what did they do; it's about what do they think they're going to do. And and so with Jack in the Box, you know, it was the sort of a good news bad news situation. We're on the bad side. They they missed estimates, right? They on both the top and the bottom lines, but. On the good side, they they do see uh, you know perhaps a bit of a better 2016 than the market uh, initially is expecting. Now it it always goes. Uh, it's always worth mentioning that you know when companies say this, this isn't like this isn't like written in stone either. I mean, there's a lot that can happen in a short period of time, and so this is a very initial look at at this coming year. But I think that you know when we look at the restaurant business in general, the restaurant market in general, I think what we're seeing. What's proving out to be a really big differentiator uh, is, you know, the company that has multiple concepts under its umbrella, and and I think Jack in the Box is a good example there because they have Jack in the Box and they have Qdoba, 
You know, you look at Buffalo Wild Wings, and they have Buffalo Wild Wings, they have Pizza Rev, they have Our Taco. Uh, you look at Chipotle, they have Chipotle Shop House and an interest in Pizzeria Locale. So, so all of these concepts where they have more than one way to kind of win there, I think is You important. look at Urban Outfitters, they now have a pizza chain. <laughs> well, I mean, spe- speaking of restaurants, I mean, that's, you know, look at that. I mean, God, we could go into that one all day long, I'm sure, because it's just, you know. No, hey, we, hey, we, 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 we trod over that ground yesterday. I'm so. sure, yeah. And, and what if I? Yeah. Let's, let's not even get in the middle of it. Yeah. Um, but but anyway, I do I do think that um, you know what continues to be the interesting story with Jack in the Box really to me is the Qdoba part of the business because even when you look at the forecast for 2016, that's really where the strength in the comps was was more coming from. It seems like is is from the Qdoba business and and as we were talking about before taping here. Uh, you know they they made some changes to that business to to try to make it a bit simpler, uh, to try to maybe make it a look a little bit more like you know some of the competitors in the space. Yeah, and and it seems to be they remodeled to a some of the locations. Yeah, and, and I mean that's that's a big deal. I mean I, I think that um, you know any any time you you see one of your competitors out there that's really succeeding you need to kind of note why you know why they're succeeding and see if that's not something that you can sort of bring into your model um you know without flat out copying right um and, and that's the really the risk with restaurants and you know quarter in quarter out is always that you know what's hot today may not be tomorrow and and certainly consumers tastes change over time and we're seeing you know, fast casual sort of becoming the new fast food, and really the old fast food, you know, giants and McDonald's and and Burger King and whatnot are, are witnessing their own sort of tough times there. So, I mean, I think that Jack in the Box really, to me, the more interesting story is Qdoba. I think that the Jack in the Box concept is really kind of just your typical fast food place. Um, I really, I mean, anytime they start kind of hanging their hat on this, uh, you know, post dinner. Menu items. I mean, like because dinner wasn't enough, you know. So hey, come on and get a munchy meal. Sometimes dinner isn't enough. Maybe it isn't, but you know, isn't that what dessert is for, right? <laughs> I mean, and that's it. I mean, it's like all right. So I, I, I do think that we are in, in in a sort of a different time where consumers care a lot more about what they're eating. I think that's going to continue to be the case um, as time goes on. So I think that the restaurants that really start focusing more in that direction. Will will benefit more, but but there's no question. Jack in the Box has has done very well. And, and we were talking about share count there with with Lowe's. Jack in the Box is also back from 2011 to today. Share counts down 32 percent, and we've seen the same dynamic there that that, that earnings per share are growing significantly uh, more than than the net income line, and the stock has certainly benefited from that. Uh, again, at some point, that kind of comes to an end, and and from there, then it, you know you you could have a stock that in Theory could be a little bit, you know, inflated based on on that that earnings per share number, which might not be that growth may not be as sustainable. I want to get to the share price in a second, but just to give some context for listeners, they've got about six hundred Qdoba restaurants. They have about twenty two hundred Jack in the Box. So, just in terms of footprint, many more Jack in the Box than Qdoba. Interesting to me is how the same store sales. Have gotten closer to one another because you go back about a year or so, and Qdoba's comps, they were putting up same store sales growth of fifteen percent, yeah, closing in on twenty percent. Jack in the Box was a couple of percentage points. This latest quarter, they're both around six, six and a half. So, they're 
they're doing a good job. I agree with you about Jack in the Box. It is a it is a burger place, and there are plenty of burger options. But just operationally, they seem like they're doing a really good job there. This is a stock that a year ago was in the high forties, mm-hmm. and in about six months' time, it doubled. It yeah. was it was closing in on a hundred dollars a share. It's come down now. It's up a little bit on on this guidance today, but it's in the it's in the low seventies. Do you think it just got too expensive? Do you think it just got to the point where people are like, wait a minute, wait a minute, this isn't a hundred dollar stock. Sure, and I mean, I think there's definitely something to that. And also, if we just look at the comps numbers from last year, for example, like when you're looking at Qdoba, and remember, we were talking maybe it was a couple of quarters ago, a little bit more. We we've been talking for a little while about the potential of them actually spinning out the Qdoba right. there. And I think that probably had some investors excited because the Qdoba concept is really the the performer here. Um, but but you look at you know the the year ago quarter, the first quarter guidance for this year, they're talking about same store sales guidance of, of flat. To two percent for Qdoba versus uh, close to thirteen percent last year. So we we've seen this with Chipotle, we've seen it with Buffalo Wild Wings. We're seeing these comp numbers come down because they have to, right? And we we always say that you're kind of a victim of your own success. And so I mean they they were seeing some really great numbers last year, and and they were also there was that noise that perhaps they would think about spinning out the the Qdoba um, concept. And the, and I don't know that they've decided necessarily yes or no they they will or they won't. Um, you know, and so I think that's something to keep in mind. But I mean, you know, they've they've not only been able to generate you know a nice healthy growth in in same store sales, but we've seen margins improve because they're growing traffic and they're really helping leverage the fixed costs involved with actually running a restaurant. You know, more traffic means more profitability, right? Because you got to keep those things open and you got to pay the bills to keep them open and pay the people to keep them open. So the more you can gin up traffic, the better the better it is for them on the profitability side. But at some point, yeah, you got to kind of ratchet back your expectations to reality. They did so well last year. This year probably is going to be a little bit slower. But I'd still be interested to hear, um, you know, if that's something they might consider in the future because it does appear at least that Qdoba. Has you know more growth prospects than something like Jack in the Box? It's a bit of a different concept, and it's it's I, I tend to think it it seems to be a, a better quality food, at least from the people I've I've uh, I've heard from. Um, so you know that's where we are, and, and I think this will be a, another interesting year for a company that's obviously continuing to perform well. It'd be really nice if we could go three for three on companies doing well today. Sure. But we're not going no, to. No, we're not. Because we got to bring in one laggard. Third quarter profits for Dick's Sporting <laughs> Goods came in a little light, uh, and if that was all that was going on, maybe the stock would be okay. But holy cow, did they cut their guidance? Yep. And this is a stock that's down about fifteen percent this week. Yeah, and you know, if I'm an investor interested in this company, I would not be looking at this sell-off as an opportunity to quote unquote buy on the dip, right? I mean, we we we. Talk about that a lot, um, and there are businesses where genuinely we can think, okay, this is a short-term reaction to sort of a a better long-term story. You know, for a long time, I I was optimistic on this business. I mean, it was something that I covered uh, for a time in my real money portfolio years ago. Here and and I never owned shares personally, but but you know, last year, last summer, I started kind of noticing some some trends and sort of some signs in not just not just exporting goods earnings calls, but Under Armour and Nike, that that made me think, okay, I'm I'm a little bit less optimistic on this business now. I actually gave it a thumbs down in caps, even just to go ahead and make sure I recorded my thinking and I could go back to it at some point, um, because it seemed like it was it was a business that was going to be witnessing a little bit 
of trouble from a couple of their major vendors in Under Armour and Nike. And the reason why, you know, while they're big suppliers for something like Dick's Sporting Goods, what we've seen with Under Armour and Nike is that they are growing out their direct to consumer businesses really, really fast. And every quarter we look at, at both of those companies and we see their direct to consumer numbers continue to go up. You know, Under Armour just reported 28% growth in their direct to consumer business. And that now represents 26% of their total revenue. And Nike's direct-to-consumer just grew 21%. Online sales, uh, that, that dynamic of that direct-to-consumer grew 46%. And, th- and they stand now at 22% of, of their total sales as well. So, you can see that Nike and Under Armour are building out this direct-to-consumer business to their benefit, right? They're basically, more or less, I don't want to say they're cutting out the middleman the middle in, in Dick's Sporting Goods, but there's no question that Dick's Sporting Goods needs Under Armour and Nike more than the other way around. And I don't see that changing. And I think for a while we sort of thought, okay, the neat thing about Sporting Goods is there is sort of that there's that physical dynamic there where you still want to get in there and see the equipment, uh, you know, see the apparel, swing the club, the racket, whatever it may be. I think that is going away. And I think the numbers here more or less bear that out. And I mean, I, I see it just sort of boots-on-the-ground behavior of consumers, myself included, it's just a lot easier to get this stuff online. And, and really, you know, this holiday season, I expect really big things from Nike and Under Armour, because they're really learning how to tune in to their customer, understanding what their customers want. They're focusing on what, you know, shoppers really want in deals and free shipping. Um, and, and you know, with, with Dick's Sporting Goods, you know, their e-commerce was 8% of their sales this, this quarter versus 7.3% a year ago. They're doing okay on the e-commerce side, but, but they're not keeping pace with, with their suppliers, so to speak. And I think that's a problem. Let's end on a sports note, because your alma mater, the Wofford Terriers, will be playing the number one team in the country tonight, UNC. It's got to happen. The Tar Heels. You know. uh, Wofford's a 22-point underdog. How are you feeling? Well, you know, so Wofford <laughs> has always been a basketball school, right? There's, we, they, they're, they, are, they, have, they have, you know, it's a small school, 1,500 people. We played Clemson at the beginning of this year in football. Now, Clemson's the number one team in, in the country, obviously, right now. Uh, and we didn't win that game, Chris. And that's okay. It, it wasn't necessarily expected. But it was the biggest crowd that the Terriers had ever played in front of to that, to that point, which I was just impressed that the guys held their composure that way. I don't think they go into this game maybe expecting a win, but I, I I do expect them to play hard. They're a very tenacious basketball team. We lost a couple of really good players last year to, to graduation, but again, I think it's it's an attractive basketball school, and uh, and I think that uh, you know they'll always they'll always be able to give it their best. And you know what? If you're a betting person, eh, maybe you. Maybe you take the twenty two. Twenty two seems like a lot. I mean, you know, they can fire the three at will. Unfortunately for Wofford, I don't think there's any chance UNC is going to be caught off guard. I don't think they're going to take no. Wofford lightly because there've been a. I mean, the college basketball season we're we're just underway a week or two. There have already been a bunch well, of upsets. It was George Washington took down Virginia. West yeah. Virginia number six. Yep. I mean, I think basketball is one of those games where anybody can beat anybody on any given day. Really, I mean, in that, you know, that's just the nature of that game. And and um, yeah, I mean, Wofford has just always it's always been a, a pretty strong, pretty strong basketball program. I and mean, there's a reason why I've been able to win the Southern Conference here. I think it's what three of the past five years get to the Big Dance. I mean, that's that's been really great national exposure for a tiny little college in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Good luck. Thank you very much. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hell. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.